as you know, Eric is gone, so I'll be uh, here today giving you uh, the message I feel like God has placed on my heart as I've continued to pray over this and say, God, what is it that you want me to talk about? Sometimes those are difficult times, sometimes those are easy times. Now, for me, I'll say this past one was fairly difficult. Just trying to figure out, God, what is it you want me to say? What is it you want me to do? But what's interesting is throughout that prayer process, different things kept happening in my life. I kept running into different people. They kept saying different things, and it all went on the lines in which I felt the Lord was teaching me. Um, if you keep, if you see my hand in my pocket, it's because I think I have re-aggravated my shoulder that I've had surgery on. So please pray for me. I've been sleeping in ice the last two nights. It's a lot of pain right now. So just uh, bear with me on that. So please, I need prayer. If I could sit up here with pride, I need prayer. I don't want to go through that again. You know, it's not one of the funnest times of my life. But what I want to take everyone back to right now is is that moment of of elementary school. I don't know if you're like me, but when you fell in love or you thought you fell in love at that age, you then would write a note to the person that you liked. And one of the things that we did was when we wrote a note, if you like somebody and you wanted to ask them out, which I still don't understand what that necessarily means when you're in elementary school or, or middle school or even parts of high school and you can't actually drive or do anything, they, they say now it's it's called going with. That's what I've been told. We're, we're, oh, we're, we're going with. Okay, with what? Where? And so that's my question to them. But we would always ask the question, will you go out with me? Check yes, no, or maybe. So those are the three things that we would always ask. Now, with that, when you would send that note, you would obviously, you'd get one of the three things. Now, yes meant, well, goodness, I will hold hands with her to the cafeteria. Maybe we'll sit with each other at lunch and share a chocolate milk. I don't know what that means. Maybe, and and no means, you know what, for me, no meant I got to try a little bit harder. And no meant I normally kept digging a hole. Next thing I knew, I was stuck in that hole. But then there was maybe, and maybe meant, okay, so there is a chance. Now, what is it I need to do to, to follow through so that I can have a chance with this person? Now, what's interesting is with all of those answers, they demand a response from the person who is giving the note. And what is interesting with that is that God presents salvation to us. He presents himself to us. And so the thing that I want us to focus on today is I want you to realize when we meet God, it demands a response. I'll say it again. When we meet God, it demands a response. There's no maybe. It is black and white. Listen to what the scripture says in Matthew 12, 30. It says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. I like what the New Living Translation says in this scripture. It says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. See, when I look at the gospel, when I look at Jesus, when I look at his life and the things that he tells us, I realize that when we meet Jesus, when we talk to him, when we hear the words that he says to us, it demands a response. The gospel message demands a response. It is a response to follow Christ, and when we follow Christ, it is a response to go. I find it interesting that today is when 15 of our members in this church have decided to follow Christ, stepping out in faith, and going to serve in a capacity in Haiti, overseas. But what is interesting about what God tells us to do is to go and to respond to what he is telling us is not just Haiti. 
It's not just Africa. It's not just China. Because the response that God wants from us is to follow him, and the call to go is here. The call to go is our cul-de-sacs. It's our backyard. It's our family. It's our coworkers. It's everyone that we come in contact with. And so each and every day when we wake up, we have to respond to the call that God has placed before us. And he lays it out clear in his scripture. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now some people translate it. You can leave this up on the screen. Some people translate that to say there is a step-by-step process. So we start in Judea. Jesus told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem. That was where he decided to to start and to build his gospel, to build his message. Many in Jerusalem rejected his message, and so they went to Samaria. Now, what's interesting about Samaria is if you read the gospel, Jesus says at one point when his disciples were going out to share the gospel, to share his message, he said, don't go to Samaria. He said, don't talk to the Gentiles. What's interesting is we see what Paul writes. He says, we present the gospel first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. God still has a special place for his people. But what was interesting is his people were the ones who rejected him the most. And as the gospel spread, it went through Samaria. It went through Judea. It went to the ends of the earth. Now, some say it is a step-by-step process. Now, others say that when you go through there, it is saying that we are to minister in Judea. We are to minister in our homes. We are to also minister within our state and our region. We are also to minister within the southeast, within America. And we are still to minister overseas. I believe that they both apply. But what is interesting with this, when we look at the scripture, when we see this, it shows us a growth process. Because we have to start somewhere. One of the things that we are training our students in the student ministry is we are helping them. We are helping Gonzalez Gardens. That is down the Prosperity Project. That's a ministry that Michelle is up in the band runs. And so we are helping her. Now we're going down. That is down in projects down by Providence Hospital. I tell our students all the time they're spoiled rotten. So it's neat to take them out there and they go and they do these things. But you start somewhere. You start somewhere. And then you have that heart. As I watched one of our leaders last time we went, as she looked at what we were doing, someone who is is 25, 26 years old and and trying to find her place in service, as I watched her see those little kids and tears start coming down her eyes, I'm seeing that she is starting somewhere. It doesn't matter what age, it doesn't matter where you are, God wants us to respond to his gospel, to his calling, and we have got to start somewhere. And eventually, as we continue to serve, we will see it expand to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20, he said to his disciples as he was about to leave, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God sets a precedent for us. He sets a command for us. That word go, it is a word that means at all times. It means that it is never ceasing. We are always to be going forward. We are always to be spreading the gospel. We are always to be pushing the vision of Christ, which is salvation, to all of those that we come in contact with. 
There are no ifs, ands, buts about it. It is all about the gospel. It is all about salvation. It is all about Christ. And it is a command that comes straight from his mouth. And it is our spiritual discipline. It is our spiritual act of service to follow that call. And he says, all authority has been been given to me. I find that interesting because when one who has authority tells us to do something, what do we do? We do it. If we don't, then there are consequences. The consequences for us not following through with the gospel call is death. Not necessarily for our sins, but for all of those who have not heard because we didn't follow through. Because we didn't God chooses to use us, I don't understand, but all I know is that he chose us for a specific purpose. But who are we to sit in regions with God who have never heard the gospel? And when we go, we see some things happen. When we respond to the gospel, we see great things come as a result. And so today, as we focus in on the scripture, I want us to go to Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to open with me. We're going to go through the scripture. We're going to learn a little bit about what it means. And we're going to go on from there. So the first thing is we have to respond to Christ. We have to respond to his message. And once we do, we realize what the gospel brings. And the first thing that we see the gospel brings as we continue to study through Acts is we see that the gospel brings unity. Listen to what the scripture says. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Talking about the disciples. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Pentecost was a day that they celebrated when when God gave the law to Moses. So it was a day when Jews from all over the world, from all over, came back to Jerusalem to celebrate this day. Interesting fact is that Pentecost began on a Sunday, which is another reason why Christians celebrate on Sunday morning. Because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, and then this is also the day that the Holy Spirit came. And so that's the day that we celebrate. Now what's interesting about this is, one, we see that the disciples were all together. They were together as one. Jesus said, wait here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. So what did they do? They obeyed, and they waited. But then Jews from all over the nations were coming together. Now, they had many different nationalities, so they came speaking in many different tongues. And what happened was a miracle. All of a sudden, the power of God came upon them, and they began to understand each other in their own language. It would be as if all of a sudden, there was someone in here who taught Japanese, and because of the power of the Holy Spirit, I could understand my language through their mouth. And so a miracle is what happened. Now, what is interesting is for those of you who know about the Tower of Babel, that's that this what this is, it, it is a restoration of what happened at the Tower of Babel. Now, what happened back in Genesis chapter 11 
was the people after the flood, they were all of one nation. They were all of one tongue. It was the descent from Moses, I mean from Noah, and so they were all together. Now what happened is they began to think that they had power. And so what they did was they were trying to construct a city that would reach to the heavens, proving that they were more powerful than God. Now what happened was God looked at them and he said, because you think that you are me, then I am going to make you disperse among the nations and you will not be able to understand each other. So what he did was he gave them different languages. And so there was chaos because that is what sin is. Sin is a lack of order. It is chaos. And so what we saw was that they were trying to become God. The scripture says pride comes before the fall. And so we see as a result what happened is he gave them in to what they wanted. And so he said, in essence, you know, if this is what you want, then here, you can be your own. And then he let them all be their own and they scattered among the earth. And so there was chaos. Now what is amazing is when Christ left and God himself through the Holy Spirit came to earth, we see that the chaos was now becoming order again. So what this is on Pentecost is a picture of restoring what happened at the Tower of Babel. And what it brought was unity. Unity among the earth. Unity among the nations. I always say good things can come by one, but great things come by many. I was thinking about what it means to be unified. What does that picture look like? And I thought about the South Carolina baseball team. The last couple of years as they won the national championship, they did not have the greatest athletes on the team. Now, I wouldn't tell the coach that, but they didn't have the best athletes on the team. But what they had were a group of guys who understood their role. They fulfilled that role to the best of their ability, and they came together unified as a team, and they knew that no one could conquer them. As we sing the song, if God be for us, who could be against us? When we are unified as a church, when we are unified as a community, nothing can stop us. Because we come together unified by the gospel, by Jesus Christ, and we realize that we can take on hell's gates because the power of God is before us and nothing can be against us. Nothing can stop us when we go as a group of unified believers. And when that happens, we will see the church transformed. We will see lives changed. That means that one thing has to happen within us. That means that we have to be transformed. And so the second thing we see is that the gospel transforms lives. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The reason why they were unified was not because of anything that they did. The reason they were unified is because they were obedient and they waited. And they stayed in the place where Jesus told them to, and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit that God gave them, which is Jesus Christ himself living within us. And when we give our lives to Christ, that same transformation happens inside of us. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. As I looked at that verse in the Greek, it is giving the illustration of one who is running. It is saying that we now are...
direction. We were going one way, and we decide to go the other. Now, let me tell you something, church. That does not mean we are, we are not going to face hard times. That does not mean that, that bad things are not going to happen to us. It does not mean that we are, are, are not going to uh, have temptation come our way. But what it means is that all of a sudden our focus is no longer ourselves, but our new focus is on Christ because Christ has transformed us. And as we read the scripture, as it tells us to focus our lives heavenward in Christ Jesus, that is the direction in which we are running. And as we go, it is as if God himself acts as a repellent to the things that are coming after us. Yes, we might get thrown down sometimes, but our focus is on Christ. And we continue moving forward. And when we continue moving forward, we see that not only our life being transformed, we see other lives being transformed as we come together unified under the name of Christ. And we continue to go transformed under the power of the Holy Spirit into His glory, into His face, into His kingdom. And that is the direction in which we are supposed to go. And with that, there are some responsibilities that we are to uphold. The Bible tells us that there are two things, really, that as a one who is following Christ, as we go in that direction, we are to uphold those two responsibilities. One is a spiritual renewal. Another is a physical renewal. Now, what does that mean? It means that when we are transformed by Christ, God himself lives within us. So there is a responsibility in the things that we intake, the things that we do to honor God. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there is a responsibility of renewing our minds. What does that mean? It doesn't matter what age you are. I believe this to be true. You are who you hang around. You are who you center yourself around. Are you centering yourself around people who are lifting you up? Or are you centering yourself around people who are just constantly bringing you down? See, the things that we watch, the things that we do, the people that we are around, the things that we hear, we don't realize, but we become that. And that's why the scripture says we are renewing our minds. If you want to make a good grade on a test, you study. You put effort into that. You get into a study group with others who want to put that same effort. And you continue to make your mind sharp to where it can still get better at that. And 
go to scripture lays out an outline of what we are supposed to do in Acts 2 verses 42 through 47. This is how we renew our minds. This is what it looks like for the church. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing these proceeds to all as had as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There are seven things that I want to go through very quick as we look at this passage about what our lives are supposed to look like, about what the church is supposed to look like when we allow ourselves to be unified and transformed by the gospel. The first is that we seek the teaching of God's word. Psalm 119, 9-16 says this, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. So we see that we are to seek God's word because it transforms our lives. The second thing we see is that we are to eat together. Something as simple as a meal we are to perform together. Now in our culture, this practice is being lost. A meal used to be a time where the family gathered. A time where they would come together every night and they would eat as one. They would talk about the things that happened throughout their day. They would get to know each other. They would focus on community. They would focus on communication. They would focus on loving each other. And in this time period, this practice was very important to families. And it is saying in Christ, we are a family. And we come together and we break bread together. We eat together. We have community together. Because one day going to have that dinner with Christ in heaven. And it is a picture of fellowship with Christ and it is a hope of what is to come. The third thing we see is we are to pray together. Acts 1.14 says they all joined together constantly in prayers along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. So we are to pray together. Again it says in the passage we are to become unified. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. We see that in this passage it says we are to know our authority. Who is our authority? Our authority is Christ. The Bible says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Job 38.4 says, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who are we to question God? All we are to do is submit to Him, to follow Him, and allow Him to be Lord of our life. And He is Lord when we come together in community. The sixth thing we
we see is we are to live life together. Listen to what Galatians 5, 13 through 14 says. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor, humbly serve, live life together, go work out together, go to ball games together, go to events together, live life together. And the last thing we see is we are to worship together. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are to come together and worship. We are to do what we are doing today. It is talking about corporate worship, to come and to sing praises to God, to be re-energized as we move forward into the day, and we focus our day on Him. But what it does is it leads us up to this great gathering by the community that we are to experience outside, in our homes, in small groups, by serving. And that is our task. It is to live life together. It is to love God together. And it demands a response to center ourselves around those that are only going to lift us up. And I'm going to end with this. The last thing we see is the gospel cannot be stopped. It can't be stopped because we aren't the ones in charge. It can't be stopped because it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that it came. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that it goes. All we are is an instrument to God's glory, furthering His truth, furthering His love, furthering His message to the ends of the earth and into our communities and to our homes as we see His influence transform lives. And we see, as the Scripture says, He came like a mighty rushing wind. The word wind in the Greek means not a... It's a noun meaning to breathe or the breath of life. On that day, that mighty rushing wind was the breath of God himself coming to man, giving us life. And that word rushing, in the Greek, it means to carry. It means to take a load off of someone. It means to take a burden from someone. Do you know what this means? It means that the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ himself coming to save us. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The power that came from heaven that day was the breath of God coming to say, I will take control of your life. You don't have to do this alone. Let me lift your burden. Let me transform your life. And it is His truth, it is His message that spreads throughout the whole world and changes us if we allow Him to do so. Three years ago, I was working with Tim Kalev. I was marketing director for Church of the Oaks. 
that job out of the policy manual. Now, to rewind several years before that, at the age of 23, he stepped out of the military to flee another suffering family and flee at that moment and died in his family's unfortunate Throughout my life, there are things that I wanted that I was not willing to give up to God. One of them was baseball. My goal was to go to school and go to play baseball. I did that. Two weeks into fall practice, I blew out my right shoulder. Baseball gone. I transferred back to the University of South Carolina, spent three years doing a comedy ministry down there on campus. My dream to work in the University of South Carolina Athletic Department, to do something around sports. That's all I ever wanted. And then when I took the position at Chick-fil-A, when I had that opportunity to do stuff through them with sports and other activities like that, I realized how miserable I actually was. I sat on the back porch one day in tears saying, Dad, I'm not doing what God wants me to do. And I don't know the next step to take. We called the pastor of my church, who happens to be the heir of my father, the one who my father has worked with for 25 years. We lined up a meeting for us to sit down on Monday morning and talk about building a church. Monday around 11 o'clock, we get a phone call from my dad. He says, I don't know why, but Eric just doesn't want to come to church. sitting at my bench and your name keeps coming to mind and he said are you interested in being a pastor and I said yeah he said let's sit down and talk about it so about a month and a half later we had a chance to meet through the phone through prayer through discussion God opened up a door and we became pastors and the reason I tell you that is so that however many years up until that point I had wrestled with God I met Jesus, and my response was not a response to follow, but it was a response to trust. And as a result, I found myself in tears in a basement church that I did not belong in because of all the things. But let me tell you something about my God, is God is a God of many things. Not just second things, He is a God of many things. And He continues to spread that gospel, He continues to love us no matter what. And if it was not for the love of Christ, I guarantee you, I would not be sitting in this pulpit speaking to you. I would not be speaking to you today loving these kids as I was doing building this church. So the question I have is have you met God? those things consistently, we can transform lives 